to the 5 o'clock hour here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Final hour of a uh, great 20 hours of entertainment for this week. Just uh, every day, four hours of good stuff. And we're going to talk for about 20 minutes about a new documentary that's coming out that I'm excited about. You know, they had the uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg documentary come out here just uh, you know, a few the, months the notorious ago. notorious RGB. Yeah. And she is notorious, of course, because she doesn't love the Constitution of this country. She likes the South African Constitution. So I'm glad to see that Michael Pack, who's going to join us by phone right now, has done a, a, a documentary on who I think is the strongest conservative justice on the Supreme Court since Scalia. I mean, he's he served with Scalia, but he is right there with the man. I'm just telling you, and that's Clarence Thomas. People do not give Clarence Thomas the, uh, the props that he has coming. Would you agree with that, Michael? Absolutely. I mean, that's one of the reasons we made the film. People are dismissive of him. They're under misapprehension because he doesn't talk in oral argument. He doesn't have much to say. He isn't smart or influential. This is really the legacy of the lies and and half truths of that the left has hurled at him since the eighties. Mm-hmm. And the film is really meant to give him back his rightful place in American life, just as you just said, Dave, as one of the most influential and deep thinking uh, justices. Um, on the Supreme Court. So I could not agree more. What do you think is going to surprise people most about this documentary when they see, you know, Justice Thomas? I mean, I've heard the man speak. He blows me away. Number one, he's got that great voice. I mean, he just blows me away with his thoughts. Well, that's the thing. I mean, I think those that haven't heard him speak are going to be surprised that he has a great voice. He's a great storyteller. I mean, that's why we decided to make the film in the way that we did. It's called Created Equal, Justice Thomas in His Own Words, because we really let Justice Thomas look to the camera and tell his story from his birth up till today. And I'm asking him questions, but but he's telling you more or less, not more or less, completely how it feels, how he saw things. And the only interviews are with Justice Thomas and his wife, Ginny, and I interviewed them both separately for over 30 hours over a six-month period, an unprecedented amount of access from a Supreme Court judge. And uh, as to your question of what people will be surprised by, I think it's the arc of his life that's amazing and surprising, inspiring, I would call it. He was born in Pinpoint, Georgia, a small um, Gullah Geechee area on the coast of Georgia. So his first language wasn't even English. His mother was very poor. His father left before he could remember, raised by a single mother. 
And then he went, as he said, from rural poverty to urban squalor when she moved them to Savannah when he was about six. And there he experienced real poverty. He was hungry. He was cold in the winter. He didn't even have a bed, had to sleep in a chair. His mother would bring him to school, and he would just leave and wander the streets of Savannah. No one cared. And after a couple years of this kind of grinding poverty and drift, his mother, who was working as a maid, realized she couldn't take care of her two boys and brought them to her father, his grandfather, to raise. And that's what turned Justice Thomas's life around. His grandfather gave him hard work and discipline, sent him to parochial school, segregated still. This was still the segregated South, but run by these Irish nuns who gave him more hard work and discipline, but also a good education and strong Catholic values. And Justice Thomas thrived in that environment, so much so that he decided he wanted to become a priest, not something not everybody knows about him as well. And he entered the seminary, and these were all white, formerly all white seminaries, and he was one of the first that were were integrating it. And there, it's the now by now it's the late sixties, and he he starts to hear racist um, taunts and racist ideas coming out of some of these seminarians. For example, in one notorious case, he was watching TV with them when the day Martin Luther King Jr. was shot, and one of the seminarians said, I hope that son of a bitch dies. And that was just too much for Justice Thomas. He That was, capped it off for him. He felt the church wasn't doing enough for civil rights, and he just lost his vocation, told his grandfather he didn't want to be a priest, after which his grandfather promptly kicked him out of the house. Now he has nowhere to go. He has to go wherever he can, and that happens to be to Holy Cross College, where it's a full scholarship. But there he becomes, as he says, an angry black man, where race and racism explained everything. His grandfather was a sucker. The Catholic Church was corrupt. He um, he, he um, helped form the Black Student Union. They engaged in student walkouts. They um, invited Black Panthers to speak at Holy Cross. And they supported everyone who, as Justice Thomas says, was in your face. Panthers like Huey Newton and Eldridge Cleaver, but in Angela Davis, Malcolm X, everyone. So he went through this period, and then it culminated in a kind of violent anti-war um, march in, in Cambridge, where he kind of caught, caught up in mob hysteria, went back to Holy Cross in the middle of the night, stood in front of the chapel and prayed for God to take anger out of his heart. And that was the beginning of his, his journey back to both faith and the values of his grandfather and the nuns. But it took many years after that for his political education. He had to see the failure of liberal and radical programs, such as busing in nearby Boston, affirmative action, before he truly became a conservative, went to work for the Reagan administration, became a public figure, and that began the attack from him from the left, which have continued on to this day through his very contentious confirmation hearing and, and up to the present moment. Wow. An amazing story. Surprising, yeah. I think, in all its twists and turns. Yeah, that is. A, I did not know three-quarters of the story you just told us. I had yeah, no way idea. more in the two-hour film. And, nice. and not only is there way more, you get the, the passion an emotion of Justice Thomas telling it. I do not feel I do it even a little bit of justice. Um, you know, viewers have to go. Go see the movie. 
as you said about RBG, people who love and support RBG came out in droves to see that movie. It made mm-hmm. it a great success, made her, um, as you were saying, a, an icon, a notorious RBG. We need to do the same for Justice Thomas. This is a chance. This movie is a great film. I believe even liberals who hate Justice Thomas would be inspired by his story, even if they don't agree with him. I, I think your your viewers have to show up. Conservatives don't show up for movies. Liberals do. And that's one of the reasons they own the culture. Yeah. If you really want to celebrate uh, Black History Month, take them to yeah. see some real black history. I mean, ser- seriously. Absolutely. But so they have to go to our website, justicethomasmovie.com. See if it's playing in the area. It is not playing near Little Rock, so your listeners would have to sign up. There's a form to sign up. If we get 30 or 40 people signed up, we can arrange a showing in your area. I will start working on that. <laughs> I'll go. Thank you. That would I'll be go great. in a heartbeat. I've met Justice Thomas several times. I'd, I'd love it. And I read, I think it's, his, I think it's the, an autobiography. I don't remember. Memoir. That. That's right. My yeah. grandfather's son. Uh, and that's an... Uh, and, some of the stories, Michael, that you describe are in there, of course. Indeed. Um, Indeed. Michael, how did you get, this is Robert Steinbeck, how did you get such incredible access uh, to the justice? Well, I had heard that he was tired of having his story told by the people who hated him, full of lies and half-truths or less. And I met with him, and I was really inspired to tell a story. I had not read his memoir at that point, but having read it and talked to him, I really wanted to tell his story. I kind of convinced him that that we were the people to do it. I showed him some of my past work. I've been making documentaries for over 30 years. And he he trusted me. I feel honored that he did. I mean, as I said earlier, he granted us over 30 hours of interviews. I mean, an unprecedented amount of access. And with all that material, we could have done lots of things with it. He trusted us to do it right. I hope that we have. I think it's a historic document as well as a great great film and great story. I mean, it's a portrait of an important person at the height of his power, and it's a, a, an iconic story of a, an American story that you don't hear of someone who grew up in the segregated South, made something of himself, not by defining himself as a victim, but by refusing to do that. And I completely agree. There is no more appropriate story for Black History Month. This is huge, Michael Pack, but Chris Corbett here. And um, so after 10 years of not asking a question during the Supreme Court hearings, he's going to speak in your documentary. Is that, so is that basically what you've done here? It sounds fantastic. It is. And as the others there have said who've heard him speak, he is actually a great speaker. Because he doesn't speak in oral argument, right. and in the documentary he explains why, people think he can't speak or is reticent, but he is not. He is a great storyteller. He nice. has, he's a raconteur, he has, and he has a wonderful voice and a great laugh. Well, the, the National um, Review just published a little article about your documentary. So, oh, great. Yeah, about two, two, two hours ago, and it, uh-huh. it, it talks well, highly of it. Well, that is really nice of yeah. him. But uh, I think all attributed to Justice Thomas and his abilities. But, uh, you know, viewers have to, have to sign up on our, on our site, and there have okay. to be at least 30 of them. For us to bring it to a theater. Is it going to come out on like on Apple TV or is it where else can I? Is it on any sort of digital platform? Well, eventually it okay. will be. Of okay. course. But will Michael and all seriousness. can't wait. I mean, that's what the, the, they made RBG a hit, people who love her, yeah. by going to the movies. That's Showing right. Up. Okay. That's what your viewers, listeners, rather have to do. 
we can get, uh, I think we can easily get 30 with the Federalist yeah. Society folks. Yeah. And I don't mean that we can construct, conscript them. I think we will easily have interest of far greater than 30 people. And it's just the point of getting the word out. And Dave and I and Chris, Dave, Chris and I, uh, I think we will easily succeed in doing so. And where is that? What's the, uh, what is the, uh, the web address again? JusticeThomasMovie.com. Nice. And then if you get 30 commitments, that will essentially uh, allot enough money to have it shown in the theater. Is that the basic idea? That's right. Then our distributor can go to a theater in Little Rock and tell them we've got 30 people committed. Right. Right. So in theory, then they'll then they will say yes. I mean, they could still say no. Sure, sure. I have someone that I know will say yes. Yeah, they'll say yes. I mean, no, I, I have somebody who's on my show every week that that has movie theaters, and he will say yes if I can get him 30 or 40 people. He'll be all over this. Yeah. Well, you, sh- you should write me an email and with that guy, or write him and, and CC me, and I'll put him in touch with my distributor. The okay, we'll get it done. Yeah. I promise, Mike, we'll get this done, because I want people to understand uh, Clarence Thomas. Well, the only it, thing they know about many people is Anita Hill. Don't say it. Oh, you said it, Hill. That's yeah. all I remember. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's all that they know it from, you know? Yeah. And, he, and Biden don't even want to talk about it anymore. Yeah. I've read a lot of Justice Thomas's opinions, and I've spoken to, well, I've spoken to him a, a couple of times, but not for very, very long. Nothing like what you've done, Michael. But I've also spoken to former clerks of his, mm. and he has made a, a, a good judge tries to be consistent, meaning that he tries to apply the law the same way across different Mm -hmm. scenarios. Now, at some point, sometimes judges say, you know, I realized I was doing something wrong and they change. That's not, uh, that's growth. That's not a bad thing. But unless they state that, they say, well, I've changed my opinion on that. They need to be consistent so that person A has the law applied the same way to him as person B does. And of all the justices on the Supreme Court, I think Justice um, Thomas has the greatest commitment to that goal. You see it in his writing. You feel it in his writing. And that's that's what judges should be doing. If if the outcome of the case varies based on the person, of course, that's not judging at all. That's just deciding who's your friend. And that's not what Absolutely. we need in our judges. I mean, we call it created equal because Justice Thomas's jurisprudence and his life is based on the principles of the Declaration as realized in the Constitution. And he talks very eloquently about it. In the film, his wife says that Justice Scalia called Justice Thomas a bloodthirsty originalist. Mm-hmm. She took it as a compliment. Indeed. Which it was, of course. So, yes, that's right. He has, he has stayed true to those principles. And you can see where they emerge out of his life in the film. I mean, he doesn't just come to them, you know, by reading them in school. He sort of lived it, lived it out and came to it, you know, by going, by believing in the opposite views and rejecting them. And his journey back to them is part of the reason that he is so true to to the to those basic principles. And, well, and that's right. That makes him a, a very important justice. Indeed. There was some case, and I can't it was something about medical devices or something, really not a, a case that if you would read it on its face, you would say this is kind of an important case in the history of America. But as someone who, who practices law, who teaches law, I'm more inside baseball. And he did not align himself with all of the conservatives. There was some split there, and I don't remember how the split was. 
And I, I, it was my belief, he got it right. And I remember saying at the time, he got it right because his position is consistent regardless if the outcome looks sort of politically liberal. And that's what a judge should be doing. And I think uh, judges, other conservative judges and liberal judges often try to do that. I'm not saying they're solely politically motivated, but Justice Thomas has excelled at that beyond perhaps all of the other justices of modern time. And again, that doesn't mean that I've agreed with him on every opinion that he's had as well, because we may have a different interpretation of some aspect of the Constitution or the law. But consistency is an important aspect, and it's too often uh, glossed over with really meaningless distinctions designed to produce an outcome rather than state the law. Michael, well, when you speak about these things, you speak about them with such intelligence. Uh, are are you burdened with being an attorney, or how else do you know about these things? <laughs> no, you know, documentary producers, you know, we're like instant... Well, I've worked on this film for three years, so it's not quite an instant expert. So you mm. immerse yourself in this to- the, the topics that you work on fully for a while, mm-hmm. for three years, a good amount of time, but you don't, you're not really an expert. I mean, that's, I mean, that's why I'm happy to have Justice Thomas tell his story. You have to bear in mind who the true experts are. I mean, I've done lots of documentaries about great historical figures like George Washington and Alexander Hamilton, but just because I've done the films on them doesn't make me a scholar. So, you know, you get a, a, a fair amount of knowledge, but it, it is not so that I'm an expert, either in constitutional law or in all the other subjects. So we can say I about you, Michael... I do my best to, to sort of learn as much as I can. So we can say you're not necessarily an expert, but you play one in the movies. <laughs> is that fair? <laughs> Three-year associate degree in Clarence Thomas. Exactly. Yeah, well, Fantastic. Good. It, this, is, this is great stuff, i got to tell you. JusticeThomasMovie.com. Did you talk to the justice about the political implications of the Supreme Court, about how Supreme Court justices are, you know, put up and how they are approved by the Senate committees and things of that nature and how politics play out? Well, I mean, so so Justice Thomas was reluctant to comment on political issues, pretty typical Supreme Court justices, but... I think by telling the story of his own confirmation battle, the political nature of it is rather revealed. I mean, he talks you through it in the, somewhere in the middle of the movie, about 20, 25 minutes, for his confirmation battle that he and his wife talk about. And you see how political the process is yep. and what, its effect are, what the effect of that is on people who are caught up in the political process, like Justice Thomas and his wife. And you see it play out. I mean, this is a film, I try in all my films, and this one especially, to tell the story of his life, not to engage in a discussion with Clarence Thomas about ideas. I mean, I'm not saying, you are quite right, that his his opinions are full of ideas, and they're long, detailed, 30-page essays, on, mm-hmm. on learned essays on topics, which I think all your listeners should read. But that's not what the documentary is. It tells his story, or he tells his story in the documentary, his life story, that I think is an emotional, passionate, um, and instructive story, but but it isn't an essay. And I I don't ask him too many abstract questions. You get a sense of where where his principles and ideas come from his life. So that's the thrust of the film. So 
I do think it will leave many viewers anxious, wishing they could ask Justice Thomas many other questions. Right. That's good, I think. Yeah, I agree. Michael Peck, we appreciate your time. JusticeThomasMovie.com. Go there, sign the petition. I'll do something here on this end, uh, Michael. We'll get this Great. shown hopefully next month during Black History Month. I Great. would really like to do that. They, and and they, uh, can, they can see the trailer on the website as well. Okay. We appreciate you giving us Thank the you, time Michael. today. Thank you very much, Michael. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye now. Gentlemen. Michael Pack here on the Dave Ellswick Show. That's going to be a great movie. We got to get it here. Yeah. And I'll talk to, I'll talk to, uh, of course, Matt Smith. Right. We'll get it set up for, uh, uh, you know, Black History Month. I'll make sure that uh, we get something that you can sign. Yeah, well, have have your listeners go to that website. Yeah, go and- to that website and sign up. All right, justicethomasmovie.com. Got to get a break in. We're late. Let's do that. We'll come back. We're going to talk a little movies here. Got to have a happy time here. I might throw back. some politics in. That's fine. <laughs> Dave Ellswick Show, 101.1 FM, the answer home of the Rush Limbaugh program. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.